Uh, this is an interesting set of scriptures today, and I want you to know that uh, there's a couple options given for the gospel. There's a, in, in the lectionary, there's two full pages. That's the first option. And then the second one is less than a half a page. And uh, so I just mixed them together and did a little here and a little there because um, there's something good in both of them. Um, but, but one of them, it just it gives too much. It gives about four different examples, and it, it takes you all over the place. So um, I just adapted it. And by the way, as I was telling people at all the masses today, today um, if you're not familiar, you should get familiar with usccb.org, the United, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, because if you go on to usccb.org and open it up, It'll give you an option to open the readings of the day for every day of the year, all the readings at the masses. And, um, and it's really quite nice to have that available, English and Spanish, and at least in those two languages. And it just keeps getting you immersed in the Word of God. And I, I think uh, since I've been here at St. Bernard's, especially during the pandemic, again, I was sharing with people that uh, because we didn't have mass for weeks, a couple months, uh, and it was just so odd for us as Catholics to, for that just to drop out of our experience um, as a community. So I started writing on Facebook page the scriptures of the day. Um, and not that I didn't read them before, I did and I would preach them, but when you write on them, something different happens to your brain, I think. You get focused differently. So I found that the result of the pandemic was it just sucked me into the Word of God deeper than I think I ever had been before, and I, I really found that very powerful in my life, and, and I realized that that's what the council was trying to get us to do, and we did. You know, we, we wrapped the Word of God around every kind of liturgy that we have. Uh, even when people come to confession, there was supposed to be a little scripture passage because it was a way for the Word to saturate our lives. So today, it's a very good example of this. The first reading comes from Sirach, from the literature of, the, of uh, wisdom, and it's, it's full of wisdom. It even talks about the immense wisdom of God. And in the Bible, wisdom is uh, e equated with God. Wisdom comes from God, and it is God. Uh, God only speaks wisdom. And so to know the wisdom of God, to listen to the wisdom of God, is something that will transform our hearts. For example, you could follow the law, uh, follow the, all the commandments, but not be filled with wisdom. You could be following commandments. Don't do the... In fact... I think of a, a very strict parent or a very strict teacher. None of you are here like this, but uh, you could find a very strict teacher say, do this, I told you don't do that, do this. And, and all you got is these kids bouncing around doing all the rules that they're told. But that doesn't form their heart. You have to share it through wisdom. Um, and we'll get to a good example in Scripture. So the first reading is reminding us of the wisdom of God. In the second reading, Paul writes to the Corinthians in his first letter, and he tells them, brothers and sisters, you know, uh, we believe in this God, and, and it's not a wisdom of the ages, it's the wisdom of God. That's what we have to listen to, because when that wisdom hits our hearts, that forms us and changes us. It transforms our lives, our thinking, our way of acting. So, we come to the gospel. And uh, Jesus starts out by saying that... Um, uh, he hasn't come here because, it, remember, the Pharisees and scribes are criticizing him constantly. And why don't your disciples do this? And why do they do that? And why aren't they washing their hands? And why aren't they washing the pots and kettles? 
and he's forever having to defend. So I'm going to have you imagine, because I want to try to deliver this in a way that makes sense. You are the disciples, and I'm Jesus talking to my disciples, okay? Over there are the Pharisees, the hypocrites. They know everything, and they, they, they do. They know the law. They teach it. They know it inside and out, but they were like good lawyers who could twist the law or use it to their advantage, and there's places in Scripture where Jesus nails them for it. But basically, Jesus tells them, you're hypocrites. And he often told people, don't follow the, follow what they say, but don't follow their example. So today, it's a good expression of that because Jesus says to his disciples, but they're listening, he says, I haven't come to change the law, to drop even one letter of the law, not even a comma. I've come to fulfill the law. And so he says to the disciples with them listening, he says, you know, anyone who doesn't teach the law is lowest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who teaches the law, they are um, they're highest in the kingdom and, and do what they say. And so I'm thinking, I don't know in the Filipino community if you have this, but your kids would know this. Your kids, if they were in school and the teacher came in the room, or their parent for that matter, and uh, there were four of them, and these two were causing the trouble. The teacher came in and got upset, and then, and then someone said, well, they're the ones who did it. And so the teacher turned on those two, ignoring those two, and said, okay, you're going to be punished for this. And these two would go like this. Busted. They're busted. They got in trouble because they deserve it. So I imagine that the Pharisees would be doing their version of busted when they say to the disciples, uh, whatever they teach you, follow it, follow it. But then, he doesn't turn to them, but he says to them, do what they say, but don't practice what they, pre don't follow what they do. They said that uh, they, they put up obstacles in front of you. They don't really listen to the law. They preach it, they say it with their lips, but they don't live with their hearts. Don't follow them. Don't follow their example. They must have been furious. And my disciples probably could have said, double busted. You really got it. Now, the proof of what I'm trying to say is in the example that follows. Um, Jesus says, you've all heard the commandment, all of you. You shall not kill. Well, heck, everybody believes that pretty much. I mean, not people in wars and people that hate and all, but I mean, for the most part, our society believes you shouldn't kill, whether they're atheist or Catholic or Christian or Jews or Islam or whatever. But again, when we look at our cities and look at all the killing that's going on and the mass killings, we look at the awful stuff in, that attempted in Alhambra and that happened in Monterey Park for the New Year's celebration. Um, let's stop and think. Here you come to my realty office. I know I'm changing a whole bunch of roles, but I'm running a realty office. And, and I say, well, where would you like to buy? And I say, well, there's no, no nice homes in this area, nice homes in this area. They're more or less equal price. And then the wife has enough smarts to say this. And what's it like, like in crime? Oh, glad you asked. Over here last year, there were three murders in this community. Sad, but 
there were just three. Over here, there were 187. Where do you think you're going to buy? I think it'll be over there. Pretty sure. 187? So, um, Jesus says it's obvious. You've heard the law, you shall not kill. But then Jesus says this, but what I tell you, you shouldn't even be angry at your brother. And if you are, you deserve to be in Gehenna, the fiery Gehenna. If you call your brother fool, you deserve to be in fiery Gehenna. Now, I think Jesus is exaggerating a bit, uh, which he was very common to do. For example, you'll remember in another place where he says, if your eye is an occasion of sin, pluck it out and throw it away. Better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two eyes. And if your hand's an occasion of sin, cut it off and throw it away. Better to go to heaven with one hand only than to go to hell with two. Now, I don't think he wants us plucking out our eyes and cutting off our hands. And every one of us has sinned with our eyes and our hands, I'll bet you. I'll lay a thousand bucks on it. Everybody here at least once in your life, my life, have sinned with our hand and eyes. Would we say that? Anybody disagree? Okay, whatever. But Jesus doesn't want us plucking out our eyes and cutting off our hands, but he's making a point strongly, strongly, because he wants us to see that in the wisdom of God, we aren't called to the lowest. Don't kill anybody today. We're called to the highest. Don't even get angry. Don't call people fool. Now, this, I think, the vast majority will avoid. Of course, we're not going to go kill anybody today. But what about our anger? And what about our talking about each other? And what about our putting people down? And what about the murders that we do with our tongues? Because that can be pretty nasty and mean. can be. All of us, myself included. But he takes it a step further. And this, this shows the wisdom of God that's trying to reach into our hearts and transform us to take us not to the lowest common denominator, but to the highest possible change of heart, change of mind, change of thinking, change of attitude, change of, change of ways of acting. So, I'll give an example. Here's a good friend of mine. We've been friends for years, but last week I upset him. I don't know what I said, but he's, his whole attitude is different. He's smiling, but he's really smirking behind it. He's very upset with me. I know he is, but I don't know what the reason is, so I said, well, he'll get over it. So one day I come to church, and I come with a big basket of fruit for the poor and some clothes and things for poor people and a big donation and everything, and I'm so excited. I'm going to give this to the church, give this to God. And when I walk in with my present for God, I look over and I see him, and I say, oh, my God, there he is. And I know he's upset with me. Well, this is what Jesus said. Perry, put your gift down on the floor. Put it down. Don't you dare go offer that to God yet. Instead, you go back to your friend and you find out what's going on here. Even if you didn't, it's not that you have something against him, but you could tell he has something against you. And you say, what did I do? And he tells me how upset he is. And I say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please and we reconcile. Then Jesus says, after you've reconciled, after you've made peace, after you've cleaned up this mess, now go offer your gift to God. 
Because why does God want all these gifts from us if we're not going to get along with each other and we don't love each other? And finally, and I know if you've been to my Mass already, you're hearing this, so I'm sorry if you have to hear it a second time, but think of Mother's Day. And let's say you have two sons that all they do is fight. Every time they come over to the house, they're both out of the house now, but every time they come over, there's a big argument or something. And, and you just can't stand it the way they go at it. So here it is Mother's Day. And they come over, they're going to bring you some gifts, and they get into it again. And they punch each other out. One punches the other one right in the face, and the nose breaks, and there's blood all over the place, and, and he's yelling and screaming and cussing. It's just a terrible. They rush off to, the, to, to get some medical help, and they come back, and then they have the nerve to do this. Mom, happy Mother's Day here. We brought you some gifts. Well, I think Mother's going to say, I don't want your gifts. Take your chocolate out of my house. Get the flowers out of here. I don't want chocolate and flowers. I want you to take care of each other and love each other. What kind of a life is this if my own sons won't get along with each other? And if you think if you could say that, will God say any less than that? And I'm not saying that you do all these things or I do, but, but this goes on in the world. Look at our world. So you and I, even if we're not doing what I'm describing, even more, you and I have to live the life, the wisdom of these scriptures today in a way that models it for others so that they see the goodness that is in that and it helps to transform them and our lives even more. There's wisdom, not just in reading the Word, but living the Word. There's wisdom, not just preaching about it. I preach all the time, but am I living it? And when I preach it, does that help me to even deepen in my own mind what I know I have to try to live too. And by the way, none of us lives it perfectly. None of us. None of us. And it's not about living it perfectly. It's about becoming more and more convinced of it and letting it transform us more and more. Because the more that we say it, the more that we hear it, the more that we attempt to live it, the more it changes our lives and makes us more like the God that we worship and love and who has said, be like me. And the more that we do it, we do become like him. Please stand.